Amen. All right. Could we stand to our feet, please? We are in a series on the Psalms. Last week was delight. This week is called rest. And I believe God wants to do something very special today. Uh, a, A lady came up to me right beforehand and she said, I have a word from the Lord. And it was such a simple word. It was the Lord saying this, I am here and I make all things new. And specifically, I believe what he wants to make new today is is our our thinking about anxiety and worry and fear, especially if it's become a lifestyle. It's just become a habit. It's just become a bad habit. I think he wants to do something new in our our experience, but also in our thoughts to, to show us a better way to live than how we've been living. And so would you just join me as we pray? Lord, would you please hide me behind the cross this morning? Would you speak to us from your word? Lord, I'm just about to read Psalm 23, which the the problem with familiar is that it can just kind of go right in our ear and right out our ear. Isn't that beautiful? Lord, please speak to us. Speak to us from your spirit and from your word, we pray. All right, here we go, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. Rest. Point one, rest begins when I take Jesus as my shepherd. I want to submit to you that Jesus Christ has earned the right to be your shepherd for two reasons. First, by creation. God, the Bible says that the Father created everything through the Son, by the word of the Son, that Jesus was the craftsman at his side, that there's nothing that exists that did not come into being through him. Jesus is your creator. Listen to Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I find this passage, I find this verse hilarious. You would think that it would be self-evident that we didn't make ourselves But sometimes we need to remind ourselves, we didn't come into being by our own doing. There is a creator who made us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, sin has happened to the human race. 
God foreknew it, God foresaw it, yet he went ahead with creation anyway. Why? So that we would become his, not just by creation, but his by redemption. So here's what it says, Isaiah 53, verse six, that we, like sheep, have all gone astray, each to our own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all upon him. Iniquity is, it's, it's the source of sin. Okay, it's not that he just died for our sins, our outward sins, but he, he died for those tendencies within us that lead us to outward sins. He, he didn't just come to put a Band-Aid on sin. He came to wash us and cleanse us and die for us at the very deepest level called iniquity. Listen to John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus reveals himself as being the shepherd of Psalm 23. He is the good shepherd. And here's how you can have absolute confidence in his goodness. He has laid his life down for you and for me. We had gone astray each to our own way and the Lord laid the iniquity of us all upon him. He's earned the right to be our shepherd by creation and by redemption. Here's here's what's really important for you to know. Even though he's earned it, he will not demand it. The Bible says this, that when Jesus looked upon the multitudes, that he felt compassion and he turned to his disciples and he said, I feel compassion for the multitudes because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Why? Why, if God has made us and we're the sheep of his pasture, why would people be like sheep without a shepherd? Here's why. God will not force himself upon us. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Unlike natural sheep, that they don't get told that the shepherd just buys them and they are their sheep. With, with the human race, you have to actually respond. You have to make Jesus your shepherd. He will not automatically be your shepherd, even though he loves you, even though he created you, even though he died for you. I did not realize this. Somebody shared the gospel with me when I was 19 years old. I was at, in uh, the dorms in Madison at UW-Madison and they were taking me through the four spiritual laws and I knew about God, that God loved me intellectually anyway. I knew that Jesus died for me because we said it every week at mass. I, I knew that I was a sinner, but then they came to this last part. It said that Jesus is standing at the door knocking and if anyone hear his vo- hears his voice, he will come in. That I actually have to respond to the gospel. I have to say, come in. And there were two circles at the end and one had S in the middle on the throne and that was self on the throne of, of the life and all the dots, the goals and purposes were messed up and there was a little cross on the outside 
representing Jesus outside of a life. And the other circle had a cross on the throne. Jesus in charge. Jesus is Lord. And a small s, and all the dots were lined up. And the guy said to me, which one of these two is your life? And for all my religion, I knew I was right smack in the middle of my own life. <laughs> Everything was about me. I, I, I added God on. It doesn't work that way. You need, you and I need to respond to the knocking of God, to the knocking, and we need to say, Jesus, come in and be my shepherd. I want to own you. I want you to be in charge of this life. This is the place where rest begins. Point two, rest comes when I receive my identity from Jesus. David says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep don't automatically lay down. It is not natural for sheep to lay down. It is not their natural state. Sheep are very nervous animals. There is a tremendous book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And he, he, he tells about sheep. We're all pretty much familiar with the term, the pecking order. The pecking order it means that there's the top and there's the bottom, and, but it, it comes from chickens. It comes from, you have a bunch of chickens amongst themselves, and they will fight with each other until they have determined they will order themselves from the top, the strongest, to the bottom one. There is a pecking order. Well, it turns out with sheep, it's, it's identical. It's called the budding order. And sheep left to themselves will not lay down. Why? Because they have to get their spot. They butt against each other and determine who's the strongest, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, but then they can't lay down. Why? Because I got to keep their spot. I don't want to lose my spot. I don't want to. If I lay down, so I'm, I'm constantly having to protect what is mine. It is a picture of self-preservation. And then Philip Keller says this, but an amazing thing happens in the presence of the shepherd. Because when the shepherd comes, there is no budding order. Every sheep is exact, it's their relationship with the shepherd that matters. It doesn't matter how they relate to each other. And then, and only then, they are able to rest. They are able to lie down. He makes me lie down. I don't have to protect my spot anymore. I'm, I, I can come out of the budding order of the human race, the rat race, if you will, the, the, the dog-eat-dog world of manipulation and trying to... Jesus pulls us out of that, guys. And he causes us to rest our identity in him. I want you to hear David and how David came to this, Psalm 62, verses five through seven. My soul, wait in silence for God only. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken on God 
My salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. David's not looking at man anymore. He's not comparing, he's not competing. His, no, no, he's done with all of that. My identity rests in God alone. He is who I, I am who he says I am. Psalm 131, oh Lord, my heart, this is David again, oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great manners or things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. You see what David's doing here? He's telling us about his process. Pride, independence, tries to solve everything and figure everything out, and it creates anxiety in us. When we become our own shepherd, our own leader, even though we're saved and rest has begun, we're still in charge. We're still running the show. David said, I've learned this. You've got to talk to your soul. Stop overthinking it. Jesus loves you, he is good, he's going to lead you, you can't figure out tomorrow. A lot of times we get going with unsolvable problems up here and we lose our peace. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow will take care of itself. We try to figure it out and we lose today's grace by worrying about tomorrow's problem. You need to speak to your stall. Here's what you say, stop it. Stop it, this is just sheer pride. You trying to control, you trying to figure it out, you trying to, to manipulate it. Stop it, soul. And then we wean ourselves away from overthinking and rest our souls in God. This is how you get an identity in rest. He's got more for you than just a rest and salvation. He wants your whole identity to rest in him. Listen to this. Because we live in a job where everybody's trying to get an advancement, get, get more. Listen, this is from Revelation 3. Here's what Jesus says. I hold the key of David. I am going to open doors for you that no man can shut. You don't have to interview perfectly. You don't have to, 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 to make sure that everybody thinks you're good or great. You, stop it. I'm going to open up doors that no man can shut, and I'm going to shut doors that no man can open. Rest yourself in me. Number three, rest comes when I trust his leadership. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. One of the things that Philip Keller brings out is no one expects sheep to take care of themselves. Sheep, sheep they, 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 don't, they don't work well. When you look at a flock of sheep that's healthy, you don't say those are amazing sheep. You say that's an amazing shepherd. This is just how sheep were created. They are created dependent on a shepherd. It's the shepherd's reputation that's at stake. When we become his sheep, 
It's not just about your life and how you're going to come off and what people think about. No, no. It's about Jesus. It's about his name. It's about his name. I am unashamed to say I belong to Jesus now. I confess Jesus. I confess that I need a Savior. I confess that he is my Savior. That is what Christianity is. It's, it's linking up with him and living not just for your own name and that you would get ahead, but recognize I'm carrying the very reputation of God. He leads me in the path of righteousness. First, what is the path of righteousness? First, he leads us away from sin. Listen to Psalm 32 that David writes. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. There's only one sin that God can't forgive. And that's the one you, can't, you won't confess. That's the one you will not agree with him that that is sin. If you, if you don't call it sin, he's not going to forgive it. An unconfessed sin that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to confess, that it, uh, holding on to pride, what, what it will do, it'll stress us out. It will affect us physically. There's a re- Doctors have found out that like 90% of illnesses are the result of stress. <laughs> It, it, it's something else now, but it started out as stress. Our bodies were not made to be stressed all the time. David talks about his body literally starting to break down until he confessed his sin. He was about to die in the waters of God's judgment. God's a holy God. He has made a sacrifice for our sins. But we have to confess our sins for the blood of Jesus, his son, to cleanse us and keep us from all of the bad results that come from unconfessed sin. So I was at a, a pastor's retreat, FCA pastor's retreat this last week. Alice and I were there. and It's a great retreat, but every night we, we play games together. And... My favorite game is Ticket to Ride, and I've got the classic edition, so I, I bring it. It's coming to the men's retreat, too. Don't worry. It'll be at the men's retreat. Um, so w- everybody knows that I'm excited to play. So, so we're getting set up uh, the, the, the second night for Ticket to Ride, and um, everybody, oh, the first night that we set it up, I realize that everybody's a little hostile towards me. And that people are, are I, I mean, I didn't even remember what had happened the year before, but apparently I must have won the games because they're like, you know, this one girl, this one lady who's a, a children's pastor in Chicago, she's like, my only goal is that you don't win. <laughs> Whoa, okay, that's strong. 
that's, that's strong. And so there's a little trash talking going on here. And, and uh, so here's what happens. The first two games we play, um, a guy on our staff wins both, both games. And he wins... The first game, he beats me by three, and the second time, and I'm, I'm counting last, he beats me by one. And, uh, and he, he, beats, he beats me by pulling a card on his very last turn that, that if he hadn't done that, and so I cheapen and kind of belittle his win by making a funny comment, and everybody laughs and... Um, it's kind of what men do. <laughs> I don't think much about it. I said, you know, it was a bad night at the ticket to ride table. Go to bed. It's about three in the morning. I wake up. I'm wide awake. And apparently the Holy Spirit didn't like it. <laughs> because all of a sudden it became like really important. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you, by your attitude, by your comment, you basically cheapened and belittled his victory and made it sound like he was lucky when the truth is he was just, he was playing the game. That's how you're supposed to play the game. It's a risk and reward thing. And, and I, I was just overwhelmed with a sense of guilt. And I'm... I, Folks, I don't, I don't ever want there to be something between me and God. And so I just started confessing, God, please forgive me. Yes, I'll talk to him tomorrow. Yes, I will affirm in front of everybody. That was not only a legitimate victory, that was exactly how you're supposed to play. And da-da-da-da-da. And I just, I just want, and then, and then that just lifted, and I went back to bed and, and did all that. And um, you say, Pastor Tom, are you kidding me? Listen. I understand that in America there's freedom of speech. But there is not freedom of speech in the kingdom of God. And a lot of times, we use humor to justify ourselves. I was just joking. I was just joking. I was just joking. And we, we belittle, we use sarcasm, we, we speak things over each other that, that grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you sit with this, but I want to, I need to be tender before God. Go ahead and convict me. Please, I don't want to become the hard and the cynical that mark this land right now. I want to be tender before you. I don't want to just say what everybody else says. I want to come into agreement with what God is saying. If you want to have the dove resting on you, how many know if you've got a dove resting on your shoulder, you need to walk a little more carefully? I want the Holy Spirit with me. I don't want him to be grieved by me. He leads me away from sin, and then he leads me to 
the right path. The path of righteousness is the right path. God knows the, the shepherd, sheep aren't supposed to lead themselves. The shepherd leads the sheep. The shepherd goes and gets the next field ready and then calls the sheep. And Jesus says this about the sheep. This is John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What does God sound like? You know what? You have to perceive how God's speaking to you. And everybody, it's a little different. And you can miss it. He whispers. He, he, one way he leads us is by peace. So let, uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ act as umpire in your life. But God has a will. He has a way. And he wants to lead us, and he wants us to be comfortable with, I am walking with God, and he's leading me, and if I'm going in the wrong way, he's gonna check me, and, and I need to listen to those checks, and, and he, will, he will lead me. So at this retreat, we had a, an African-American pastor was our speaker, his name was Gino, he's from South Chicago, he's a Bear fan. So I made sure in every session I wore a Packer sweatshirt. <laughs> the last morning, I was saying goodbye to him and just thanking him for everything, and he said, he said, dude, I need to get you some new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what he said about God's leading with soberness to pastors. He said, God only picks up the tab for what he's ordered. Now, he'll allow you to order more. He'll allow you to do whatever you want to do, but he only pays the tab for what he ordered. And mark this, pastor. Someone else has to pick up the tab for everything that you're doing that God didn't order. You yourself will pay a price, some of the price. Your children, your family, your spouse. Price has got to be paid, and God's not paying it. He only picks up the tab for what he's ordered. And what Gino said is, Pastor, I give you permission to say no. You don't have to do what every other church is doing, and it's successful over there. We need to do that because it's successful. Stop it, Pastor. You only have to do what God's telling you to do. You don't have to do everything that man wants you to do. Do you know one of the ways we get doing stuff we're not supposed to do is because we're just trying to please people. And we're so worried about what people are going to think. And, what people, and so we just keep adding things to our life. And of course, one of, one of the ways you can end up doing stuff that God didn't order is human zeal. You've got the right attitude. You want to glorify God and you just want to do stuff and you feel the Holy Spirit's power so you just start doing everything. Well, he only picks up the tab for what he ordered. And so as we walk this life, what happens is you want to waste less and less time doing your own thing. And you, we become a little more discerning and we learn how to say no. And so God's here today. He's not here to condemn anybody. He's just, here's one of the things Gino said. He said, there are some things we're doing that God did tell us to do it. But we forgot to look at the expiration date. 
there was an expiration date on that thing. We're still doing it, and God's not doing it anymore. He leads us in the path of righteousness, the right path for his namesake. There is rest. Trusting when we trust in his leadership. Number four, rest comes from his presence and from his word. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You are never going to understand life. You're never going to understand your spiritual life. You're never going to understand how to walk in victory with the Lord until you own the fact that there is an enemy, there's another team on the field. You're not just doing this alone. There's an enemy. There is another team on the field, a spiritual enemy that you can't see. And if you don't acknowledge that, how are you going to deal with it? There's another enemy on the field. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's what you need to understand. We all do. He speaks. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He speaks very loud, very loud. It it, it appears like it's our own mind, our own thoughts, but has anybody experienced that fear has a voice? Fear has a very paralyzing voice. Has anybody experienced that shame has a voice? Has anybody experienced that greed and material can have a voice, that pride has a voice, and it can be a very loud voice? And here's, here's how, what, what it's easy to conclude if you're not discerning of this, is that the loudest voice in my head must be the one that's most true, and that is absolutely not the case. So here's what Jesus does for us. He... Jesus, you read the Gospels, you'll find out Jesus was very aware that there's an enemy that we are facing. That this is, the, he, you know that verse that says that the, the, the good, I am the good shepherd and he gives his life for the sheep? You want to know what the verse before that is? The thief came to kill, steal, and destroy, but the I came that you might have life. There is an enemy on the field. And so what Philip Keller tells us about sheep is when sheep are afraid, They won't eat. (laughs) They don't eat right. And so what the shepherd does is he anoints the sheep's head with oil, which looks very different than what we would think. We would think, you know, a little little anointing oil on the head. No, no, there was a vat of oil, and they'd take the sheep's whole head and dunk it, completely immerse it in oil so that pests would be out of its ears. Because when, when a sheep is pastured, it, it stops eating. And this is how we are. We stop eating. We get, we get caught up in our mind. We get caught up in our fear. We get caught up in, in these futures that, that are, are disastrous and hopeless and despairing. And, and we, we forget to eat. 
So Jesus, he anoints our head with oil. It's his, it's his peace. John 14, 27, he says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give. So don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let, I've given you my peace. It belongs to you. It is peace, unlike the world gives. The world will only give you peace when you've got everything under control, which means you never get peace from the world. So here's Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, make prayer and supplication to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, this is the tangible presence of God, will guard, it will act as a guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, it's the peace that passes understanding, doesn't require understanding. Jesus has a peace. He wants to anoint his people's head with oil. So not, not just so that they're not bothered, so that they'll start eating. He prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. Don't forget to eat. We need to eat. We need to be in the word of God. We, we need to read it for ourselves. We need to go to church where it's preached. We need to buy CDs that are about the word of God. We need to have music that's singing the word of God. We need to listen to the word of God. Expose yourself to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those who are strong are those who have eaten. And those who are weak are those that that, that didn't eat. Could you imagine what you'd look like if you only ate once a week? I mean, you'd just be really, really weak. It'd be really, really hard. And you'd probably be in the process of dying if you only ate once a week. Let's get into this word. Let's find a way to get into the word. Whatever your personality is, whatever your approach is, purpose, I'm going to eat in the presence of my enemy. I'm not going to just be passive. I am going to eat because God whispers. The devil, the devil roars, God whispers. And then finally, point five. Rest comes from experiencing and believing in his love. Thanks, buddy. Um, Listen to this, Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. How beautiful is that? Oh, that's not the NLT, not the one I'm reading, because mine says pursue. I loved it. I, I, I'm reading the, the New Living Translation out of the one-year Bible, and it uses the word pursue me. It will pursue me. The love of God, the goodness of God is pursuing me. I love this picture. Jesus says the, the shepherd goes after the one that is lost until he finds them. I am being pursued by the love of God. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. We know, okay, I'm gonna go out of the NASB for next service. 
John says this, we have come to know. I, I like the NASB. This is the one I preach out of because it goes word for word with the Greek. It, it's not necessarily the easiest to read, but it goes word for word. And here's what John says. We have come to know and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love are going to abide in God. And the word know there is not know about. It's experiential. No. We have experienced, we have come to, we didn't always have this, we have experienced God's love and we have come to a place where we believe the love God has for us. This is so significant because this is perfect love. He says two verses later, casts out all fear. The way to live a, a fearless life in the rest of God is by allowing perfect love, which is his love for us. It's not our love for him, it's his love for us. We need to experience, and then we need to believe the love of God. Now, this experiencing of the love of God, how do you experience the love of God? Here's, here's, the, here's the bad news. To actually experience God's love beyond mental assent, God has to open up our hearts. There's two ways the human heart's open. One is by beauty, and the other is by pain. Listen, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We all go through the valley of the shadow of death. What, what, is that, what does that even mean? I'll tell you what it means. Anybody that's been there knows what it means. It means like you think you're going to die. You think you're going to go bankrupt. You think it's over. You think you can't make it. Where every other aid has been stripped away. Where, where man, you tr- well, this is just in us. If we got a problem, we can try to get th- to solve it ourselves. Then we try to get somebody else to solve it. And once everything else, nothing, we're, we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Everything else has been taken away. We are in pain and there's no human being that can help me. Now I'm in a place where my heart is open. I will either in that place reject God because what kind of a God would allow me to go through so much pain? Or I can finally experience the love of God. David, of course, you read about David's life, oh my. (laughs) He was at the point of death so many times. He had a whole army chasing him to kill him. David lived, lived this out. And here's what he found. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The shepherd's rod. Man, David said, Jesus, you beat, you beat enemies back with that rod. Nothing can get near me without having to face you. you. You have a rod and you're not afraid to use it. And your staff, the crook of that staff, the shepherd uses the crook of that staff to bring the sheep back when he's in the wrong place. And then it's such a comfort when you're a human being and we're, we're kind of blind down here and we're just living life and it's so easy to get away from God. It's so easy to wander. Our hearts are prone to wander. But to know that his strong hand brings me back. Asaph, who is the worship leader of Israel, he, Psalm 73 is the whole story of him becoming bitter and, and I was just filled with envy of the wicked and da-da-da-da-da. He said, I was like a beast before. And then he says, I came into the sanctuary and I saw clearly And I saw that I was acting like a beast, but that your hand was still upon me. 
Did you know that God's hand on you is stronger than your hand on him? Asaph had, Asaph had let go, but God hadn't let go. And he brought him back into his presence where he could see clearly again. The love of God. Experiencing the love of God. It's so easy when you're in the shadow of the valley of death to conclude that God doesn't love you because this would never happen if God loved me. God would never allow this much pain. God would never allow it to get this bad. Listen, God allows things to get worse than you would ever allow for your children. Why? Because you and him are different. He has the power of resurrection and you don't. So we're, we would never allow some things to happen to our kids. And God's like, yeah, let's go ahead and let it get worse. Yep, let's strip everything away. And then I'm going to resurrect this thing because I love them so much. And they will never doubt again because they have experienced me. And then he says these words, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's what our good shepherd wants to do for every one of us. He wants to take away our greatest fear and he wants to reveal our greatest purpose. This is why Jesus came and died. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter two. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He became flesh and blood. Why? Because flesh and blood had sinned against a holy God. God had said to mankind, the wages of sin is death. He took on flesh and blood so that he could pay the price for us, so that he could remove the accusation of hell that these are unholy people. Jesus died for us. He died to give us the gift of eternal life. He wanted to settle heaven for us before we die, that we would know that we will live in the house of the Lord forever. He wants to take away that fear, that underlying fear that I've got to hurry up. I've got to, I've got to get into this budding order. I've got to keep it going because I've only got one life and it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. I've got to do everything. I've got to do everything and stop it in Jesus' name. Amen. Your greatest purpose won't even be revealed until eternity. We live on this earth for what? Somewhere between, you know, some people die young, but the oldest is 100. How long is eternity? <laughs> 100 years is like one pebble of sand on the beach. Eternity is all the beaches in the world. Our greatest purpose has not been revealed yet. It's in eternity. We're gonna be friends of God for all eternity. We don't know. The Bible says we don't know. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who loved him. Paul says these words. The life I live, I live for the Son of God who gave himself for me, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is beyond experiencing the love of God. Paul now believes doesn't matter what he's going through. Here's the bottom truth. He loved me. He didn't just love the whole world. He loved 
me. And he gave himself on that cross for me. That is the bottom truth. So here's what I want to do. We're going to turn the lights real low. All the I don't care if we just turn them off. We're going to play a song. Uh, this is by John Thurlow. It's called For You. And I just want you to just, if, if you're comfortable closing your eyes, just close your eyes and just listen to the words and then we'll close the service. we could have uh, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. I've got a couple groups that I want to pray for. The first one is, um, well, while in this service, it's become very clear to you that uh, you've been your own shepherd. Self has been on the throne. You've been going your own way. And for whatever religion you may have, Jesus is really on the outside. And everything is a mess because of it. And Jesus has come to you today and he's knocking. And it's not a knock of condemnation. It's a knock of pure love saying, I am the good shepherd. Open the door. Make me your shepherd. Own me today. If that is you, that's, you know, we don't do this to respond to man. We do it to respond to God. If Jesus is knocking on your life, on your heart, the only reason I have a show of hands is because I like to help people pray the prayer because somebody helped me. If that is you, would you just raise your hand real high right now? I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand up in the balcony. God bless you. Jesus is knocking and you want to make him your shepherd today. Anybody else by upraised hand? Bless you, ma'am. God bless you. If you raised your hand, whether I saw it or not, would you just put that hand over your heart right now and pray something like this? Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for not just creating me, but for dying for my sins. I own my sins today. I confess my sins today. But I also confess your love for me, that you came and you died and you rose again for me. And Lord, right now, by faith, I open up my heart. I say, come in, be my shepherd, be my savior, be my Lord. Take this life and make it what you want it to be. I receive right now that gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Then could we stand to our feet? I'm going to just include two groups in this call. One, you are in the valley of the shadow of death right now. You are in crisis right now and you need to experience for yourself, God's comfort and love. Fear's been speaking very loud and you, you need an encounter with God's love. And the second group is, you just want your head anointed with oil again. You, need, you just, there's been too many pasts speaking to you and you want, you want to give all of your anxiety about whatever it is to him with thanksgiving. Either, either of those, would you just open your arms like this, close your eyes and why not just pray for us as we close?
Lord, there is somebody that has in a place where they, they can't imagine that God loves them because it's so bad and so hard right now and so dark and just so dark. And there's been a voice of accusation about it's your fault, it's God's fault, it's, it's been loud, it's been hard, and it's made your journey that much harder. And the Lord is just coming today to dismantle that voice, to say, this is not proof that I don't love you. I want you to experience my love. Let me take care of you right now. Let me hold you right now. This is the part of the Footprints poem where I pick you up and carry you. Let me love you. Know my tender care. Know my powerful rod that beats back that which is trying to destroy you. The one that is trying to destroy your life. The fear that is trying to become part of your identity. I'm breaking that thing right now in Jesus' name. Now receive my love. Receive my love. And Lord, I pray for those that, those of us, we've just been worried about a lot of stuff. Maybe not one particular, maybe it's very little things. We tell our friends and they're like, what? That's stupid. Why are you even worried about that? You know what? You're worried about it. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. And that includes whatever that thing is. But make your requests known to God. And that includes that thing. Whatever it is that's worrying you, that's got you fretting. Maybe it is the future. Maybe it, you've been trying to control the future and, and how is the future going to play out? How is God going to do it? And the Lord says, stop. It's chewing away grace. Today's grace is being chewed away by worry, from worry about tomorrow. I've got tomorrow. I have got tomorrow. Trust me, child. Trust me, child. Now, Lord, would you anoint our heads right now? Would you dunk us in the Holy Spirit's peace right now? I give you my peace. Do not let your heart be troubled. We are speaking to our souls. Stop it, soul. Stop it. I'm weaning myself away from trying to figure everything out. I am going to enter into the peace of God right now. The peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we don't just make a request. We make them with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that you've rescued me in the past. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your great love. Thank you that you are not planning my demise, but my victory. Now, Lord, I just, I just received peace. I've given you my thing, whatever it is. Take it, Jesus. Take it. Take the family member. Take the financial burden. Take the physical problem. Take the future. God, we give it all to you right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you can be trusted with everything. Now, Lord, let the peace of God dunk your people now. Guard over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus so that we can eat at your table, even in the presence of our enemies. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have ministry teams up here. The worship team is going to lead a few songs of worship. If you want to hang out and do more with God, feel free. And if you need to go, God bless you.